Happy Sabbath, church family. So good to see you this morning. Has the Lord been good to you? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, you sure know how to welcome a pastor. You do know that. Uh, we had a wonderful time last Sabbath. I just, I really just want to thank your leadership, your elders, and church board, and and, and just the members, and especially the folk who uh, created that lovely meal Amen. last Sabbath. That was really good. Are we having fellowship lunch today? <laughs> That's all right. That was really, really good. And I want to thank the team who worked so hard, who put that together. <clears throat> well, this is just amazing. I... <clears throat> Uh, listening to the announcements, I heard they have a Spanish class coming up. I've always wanted to Elder Marlon learn some Spanish, you know. You too? All right, well, so I'm thinking, I'm thinking about joining that team on July 7th. All right, and I'm glad that it's also on Zoom, so I'll be able to be with you. This time I'm going to invite you just to bow your heads with me as we ask the Lord to bless our time in the Word. Let's pray. Our Father, our Creator, Redeemer and friend. Here we are gathered as your people. Waiting with expectancy to, to hear a word from you. We are indeed a diverse, diverse people. We have different experiences. We come with different heartaches and, and different joys. But you have assembled us this morning because there's something that you have in mind for our lives. And so today we just want to ask you and just want to share with you that our hearts are ready to receive your word. I ask, Lord, that you speak to me first. And as you speak to me, Father, may you speak to your people. I just want to say again that you are everything to me. Father in heaven, I willingly submit all that I am into your hands, all my faculties. I give them willingly and freely over to you to be used for your name's honor and glory. And for the proclamation of your word and your love for your people. Father, may as we hear your words today, may they fall on the hearts, on soil that are receptive. As we receive it, may we be edified by it, but may we also be transformed in the process. 
We thank you for what you're about to do in Jesus' name. Amen. The church of the living God say, Amen. 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 I hope you can hear me clearly. And if we can put up the put up the the image on the screen. Today I hope to begin a journey with you. I don't know how long it might take. It's a series of messages that the Lord's been working on my heart with. Something that I, he has been continually developing within me, this, this word. The series is entitled, Investing in Discipleship for Eternity. Investing in what? Discipleship for Eternity. And today I want to just share with you on the topic, Organizing for Maturity and Multiplication. Our key text, and I'll ask you to join me there, is found in John chapter 15. <clears throat> John chapter 15. I will read from verse 1 through to 8. John chapter 15, verse 1 through to 8. The Bible says, Jesus is speaking, and he says, I am the what? I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he what? Takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Hmm. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it what? Abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are what? Burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my what? I was so blessed by those two disciples singing today up here, right? It's a beautiful word, beautiful, 
gospel in singing were it not for grace. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, young ladies. Thank you so much. One of the things that really blessed me when I remember when I first came uh, on that Sabbath for the interview. You remember that? It wasn't too long ago. And one of the things I love to do when I go to churches for the first time, I love to look at the bulletin board. And you didn't know this, but when I stand there and I read your bulletin board, I saw something on it. And God spoke to me through it. This is where you need to be. I saw where in your vision statement as a church, it had the word disciples in your vision statement. That spoke to me. Yeah. Preparing disciples for the return of Jesus Christ. And I read that and I said, Lord, I am, I am blessed because this is where I want to be. Among people who believe in discipleship. It was definitely something that helped me in my decision making. And so I want to carry on that, this theme because knowing that I am a disciple myself, among disciples, there are great things that God can do. But God has a focus. And I want to share with you today about his focus when it comes to disciples. Southwest Airlines is an airline that I love to fly. I've been flying Southwest Airlines for a couple of decades now. I enjoy flying them. I, I remember uh, they, they were one of the first airlines to come out with those peanuts. You remember that? Uh, a little soda. I remember that. If we can go to the slide there on Southwest Airlines. Uh, 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 but there's something about Southwest Airlines that piqued my attention. I was reading uh, the, the, the business um, inside a magazine. It's a 2015 issue, but there was something in it that really spoke to my heart. The headline said, a major airline says there's something it values more than its customers. And there is a good reason why. I mean, you, you think about this, this generation and this time that we're living in where customers always come what? Come first. Here is a business that does not put customers first. Wow. During that time, when I just started flying Southwest Airlines, they were number one. They were number one, and they don't put customers first. Why? As you continue reading this, this edition in this magazine, it says, at Southwest Airlines, employees come first. Employees come first. Yes, you read that right, the editor said. The airline puts employees' happiness above customer satisfaction. The approach 
This approach might seem unconventional, but it makes perfect sense and seems to be working just fine for the Dallas-based airline that employs about 47,000 people at the time and serves more than 100 million customers annually. In 2013, Southwest was named number one in customer satisfaction by the U.S. Department of Transportation. Customers don't come first. However, they're the best in customer satisfaction. It's amazing. The 44-year-old airline is known for its friendly flight attendants as well as its top-notch customer service. This stems from its employees' first mantra, which plays out in a trickle-down effect. In other words, in order of importance, Southwest ranks employees first, customers second, and shareholders third. We believe they say that if we treat our employees right, they will treat our customers right. And in turn, that will result in increased business and profits that make everybody happy. Wow. A proven business plan. But I think, as I, as I studied this, uh, as I studied this, and I think about Southwest, that even though Southwest is in the business of making profit, its number one investment is not in its customers. Its number one investment is in the what? Calling, equipping, nurturing, and sending out a team with the mission to keep and expand its customer base. Southwest's winning strategy for expansion goes through creating healthy employees makes me wonder, with great curiosity, if the founders of Southwest Airlines got their strategy straight from Jesus. I wonder if they were reading this book when they were considering their, custom, their, their, their business plan. Because Jesus had the same business plan for his church. And we see it right here in John chapter 15. The story behind John chapter 15, Jesus, Jesus was spending this last moment with his disciples before he would be crucified the following day. And when he thought about what he would leave with them, what words he would spoke in, speak into their hearts, Jesus considered to remind them of his business plan. Of how he's able to take 12, and though they can't see it right now, how we, he's going to take 12 and multiply that 12 to millions. This business plan that Jesus was, was reminding them of was something that was so amazing. Southwest Airlines just took a little piece of it. But truth be told, we are products of this business plan in, in Scripture. As he spoke to them, 
I can see him looking at the vines with them. He's about to share with them or remind them of this business plan and he's taking them through the vine, the vineyards. And he's about to remind them of this. And then Jesus said in John chapter 15, notice what he said. He said, I am the what? True vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Follow me, folk. He's teaching them. He wants to leave something with them that will expand way into the future. I am the vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Back then in, in Israel, everybody will know what you're talking about. It was definitely an agricultural society. And so the moment you mentioned this, he got their attention. It is as if throughout the text, and I want you to follow me, throughout the text, you can see Jesus speaking of the vine dresser and the, and, and the, and the, uh, 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 the vine. And both are together. Both are together. You, you never hear the vine dresser in any way cautioning the vine. You, you, you never hear him checking up on the vine. Whatever the vine dresser does, it's in harmony with the vine. He's never there looking at the vine with any kind of expectation from it. They're working together. I am the, the vine and my father is the vine dresser. We are together. We are one. In other words, the focus of John 15, verse 1 to 8, it is not the vine dresser, nor is it the vine. The focus is on the branches. Are you with me? I, I want to even expand it some more. The focus is not even on the fruits. Jesus is not focusing on the results or the fruits. He's, he's, he's zeroing in like a laser beam, beam shining on something before it, and he's focusing on the branches. There's something about growing branches that multiplies exponentially. The growth that comes in taking care of branches is so massive. When you look at the vine, the vine has an intelligence of its own. Doesn't it? Think about the vine. It creates branches, right? The vine creates branches. If you want to go to that slide with the, yeah, the, the vine creates branches. The, the vine also nourishes the branches, correct? It brings nourishment to it. It, 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 it helps it to grow and expand. And, and the vine must be so strong, it supports the branches. All right? So the vine, the vine has an incredible uh, uh, function to play. Uh, and both the vine and the vine dresser, their sole purpose is to focus not on the fruits, but on each branch. That is a business model that is so powerful. So powerful. Let me share with you. Go back to the text. And let's look at what Jesus says about the branches. Go back to your text. Uh, if you'd like to follow me on the screen there as well, you can. In John chapter 15, verse 2. Let's look at verse 2. 
verse 2, the Bible says, Every what? Branch in me that does not bear fruit, he what? He takes away. So, so look at it. Look, look at what he's doing. He's inspecting the branch, correct? He's coming up to the vine, but the vine dresser, he passes the vine, and he goes straight to the what? To the branch. And he's looking for something. He's looking for something. Every branch in me. Every branch in what? In me. In other words, in me means he's looking at the connection of the branch and the vine. Is it connected? And is it connected well? Are there any kind of infection that, that's around that connection? He's trying to make sure that where the branch meets the vine, there's a strong connection there. To him, it's very important. He's inspecting the branch. Okay, the branch, if it doesn't have a strong connection, then he has to do something. It says uh, he takes it away. The word there for takes away is the Greek word area. And the Greek word really means to lift up. So if the branch is somehow not connected how it should with the vine, he's going to do something to lift up that branch and to secure that connection. He's trying to make sure that the connection is good. He's inspecting that. He's inspecting that. But not only that, notice this. He prunes, he prunes the branch, correct? That it may what? Bear no pruning of the vine. He's pruning what? He's pruning the branch. And he's making sure that the branch is healthy. He, he prunes the branch. You know when you prune a branch? It's very, you know, I was here, I remember when I was here in April, uh, someone was doing gardening here at the church. Someone was teaching gardening. I don't forget that. I want to connect with that person. Yeah. But, but look at what's happening. You cut something in order for it to grow. Hallelujah. Doesn't make sense, right? Doesn't make sense. But that's what Jesus is saying. He, he, the, the vine dresser comes, he, he's, he's inspecting the branch, and then you know what? He says, listen, he cuts it. He prunes it. Why does he do it? Because in pruning the branch, you actually make the branch grow stronger. You see, the, the only way a branch can support a bunch of grape is if that branch is thick and strong and healthy. The vine dresser is making sure that he has healthy branches. Are you with me? Healthy emotionally. Healthy physically. Healthy spiritually. He wants to make sure that before the fruits come into play, the branch is ready and strong enough to bear the fruit. And so if he needs to clip it, he will. So when people say, listen, let me just live my life with Jesus and don't take care of my health. Oh my. Jesus is looking for healthy, strong branches. Are you with me? Being healthy, body, mind, and spirit is very important to our Lord. And we cannot neglect that. Because healthy branches bear what? Healthy fruit. Amen? Amen? And so, thank God we have a, a vine dresser who, 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 who is daily looking after the branches. 
When they're sick, he's right there to help them up, right? When they're discouraged, he's there to encourage them. Thank God we serve a vine dresser who takes care of his branches. He prunes it so that it can be healthy, so that it can carry the nutrients that it needs to carry to the fruits, and so it can bear the weight of the fruit. He's teaching us something about how he grows his church. His business, he focuses not on the number of baptisms. He focuses on his people. He wants them to be healthy. Because when they're healthy, he will not have to worry about the fruits. But let's keep going because he's not done yet. Branches reproduce themselves. Can you imagine that? Look at Jesus is speaking. Let's keep going. When it says he prunes each branch, do you know, have you ever seen a branch create another branch? Yes, all the time. I mean, you just look outside. You see a tree with a branch, and then you see another branch come off that branch, right? Branches create, reproduce themselves. And so one of the reasons why they'll prune it is not so that it only bear fruit, but so that it will also bear or grow other branches. Are you following? Branches reproduce themselves. I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere. By pruning it, you can get another branch. More branch to bear more fruits. Healthy branches bear healthy fruits. Healthy fruits, watch this. Healthy fruits bear healthy seeds. Ah, do you know how? Do you know how the, 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 the vine dresser creates more grapes? Because what he does is when he gets healthy grapes, he keeps some behind. All right? And he, he goes through that process where he takes the seed from it. And then he replants the seed, he plants the seed and makes another one. Vine. And that vine creates another one. Branch. And that branch creates more fruit, creates more seed. Hallelujah. Branches reproduce themselves by not only creating more branches, but branches also create seed, which create more vine. And more vine gives you more branches. This, this, this amazing God is focused only on branches. If he can just, if he can make branches thick and strong and well, he will have plenty of fruits. And that's his desire. Branches Listen to this, branches, in verse 6 it says, branches that are not connected. Are you following? Branches that are what? Let's go to verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, abide in his connection, right? If anyone does not abide in me, he is what? Cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them in what? Fire. And they are? Branches that don't reproduce themselves. Branches that don't bear fruits are useless to the vine. In fact, it hampers the vine. Because having a dead branch on the vine, that dead branch is blocking the sunlight 
from the other leaves and branches. So that's why the vine dresser has to go through and look for dead branches. And any branch that doesn't want to remain connected to the vine, clips them off. Earlier you saw where there are some branches that are, that are connected, but they're not as strong. And so he lifts them up. But there are some branches that are adamant. They want all the blessings of the vine. But guess what? They don't want the connection. And for those people who refuse to bear fruits, God clips them off. Clips them off. Fruit bearing, this is the part I love in verse 8. Watch this. Just imagine the, imagine the, the vine dresser. He comes to the vine, right? At the appropriate time. And guess what he sees? He sees healthy branches. And then on those healthy branches, lots of grapes. Lots of grapes. Look, look at the Bible in verse 8. By this, my father is? Anybody want to glorify the father? He's a vine dresser, right? Anybody want to make the father happy? Do you know how you make the father happy? Bible tells you. That you bear what? Much fruits. That you bear much fruits so you will be my disciples. Disciples make the Father happy. But not just a disciple. A disciple who bears fruits. Make him joyful. I just want to make God say shout with, with, with thankfulness. To see his people bearing fruits. Amen? I want to make God happy. Are you following me? And let me just say, folks, coming to church once a week, going back home and living as if God doesn't exist, that doesn't make God happy. We're going to continue. Jesus' strategy for exponential kingdom growth is an intense focus on the making of disciples. His strategy was to invest his life into others. His focus was not on quantity. His focus was on quality. Quality, sorry, quantity is a given when quality exists. He started with 12, as I said, and just mushroomed to myriads. I like what Sister White said. She said, for three years, listen to how Jesus made disciples, and you'll see it also, because she's referring to the scripture. She said, for three years and a half, the disciples were under the instruction of the greatest teacher the world has ever seen. By personal contact and association, Christ trained them for his what? For his service. Day by day, they walked and talked with him, hearing his words of cheer to the weary and heavy laden, and seeing the manifestation of his power in behalf of the sick and the afflicted. Sometimes, she said, he taught them, sitting among them on the mountainside. Can you see him spending time with them? Some, this, this was God in their midst. This was very God. And he was spending time with them. 
teaching them on the mountainside. Sometimes besides the sea or walking by the way, he revealed the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Wherever hearts were open to receive the divine message, he unfolded the truth of the way of salvation. He did not command the disciples to do this or that, but said, follow me. On his journey through country and cities, he took with him that they, he took them with him that they might see how he taught the people. So he spent time with them, right? Teaching them, right? And, and then he took them with him to practice. Are you seeing how Jesus was making disciples? He is living out. He's living out the very experience. He's living out his business plan, his business model for saving the human planet, for saving this planet. He's actually putting it into practice, she said. They traveled with him from place to place. They shared his frugal fear and, like him, were sometimes hungry and often weary. On the crowded streets, by the lakeside, in the lonely desert, they were with him. They saw him in every phase of life. I mean, they saw him at the wedding, right? He was sitting there with Lazarus' sisters, right? I mean, Jesus was relaxed at times with them. Jesus was also on the go with them. The Bible says in Mark chapter 2 that he came to this world. He called 12 so that he might live life with them. Disciple making, the example set by Jesus on how to finish the work on planet Earth. This, this practice of making disciples, of focusing on the branches and making them healthy, this was no dunking someone in a pool and then clapping as a church. Hallelujah, someone has been baptized. And then give them the right hand of fellowship. And never shake their hands again. Never even calling them. But leaving this, these young people to the wiles of the devil. That is not disciple making. They leave them with, like a sheep without a shepherd. After we baptize them. He, he, Jesus said, no, that's not the way. That's not my way of expanding my kingdom. My way of expanding my kingdom is to focus on these people and to do all that we can to help them to grow and to become strong, to give them all the resources available to make them the best they can be. He was reproducing himself in, in these 12 men. And this is how he was setting the example Every Christian to pattern. His focus was not on the har harvest. He never asked for us to pray for more harvest. He, his focus was on laborers. He said, pray for laborers to go into the harvest. His focus was never on how many people were baptized. His focus was, was on how many baptizers have we created that was his goal that was what Jesus counted how many at the end of the year how many members of the Garland 
faith community, SDA church, have created a disciple. Tally that. That's what Jesus counts. Mm. How many people were winning people for Christ? Go ye therefore, Jesus says, and make disciples. Are you hearing that? Go ye therefore and make disciples. Not go ye therefore and make babies for the enemies. I did a scene when, when our son Joseph was born. He was born with an illness. And I tell you, he was in the neonatal care for about three weeks. And I, I watched how I watched all the nurses and the doctors, how, how tender they were to my son. Round the clock, not a second pass, someone was observing him. Someone was making sure he gets the right nutrients. Someone was making sure that he would grow up and not having a heart problem anymore. Are you following? Someone took him over that three weeks and not a second passed until he was able to, to get strong and able to survive. God is saying, we got to take your branches. We got to prune it. We got to inspect it. We got to do everything we can and nourish it to make sure that the branches create fruits. Now follow me, y'all. What I'm interested in here at the Garland Church, as your pastor, I'm interested in making disciples. I am not interested in any foolishness. Are you following? If it's not about helping us to make disciples, keep it. Are you following? And I'm dead serious about that. Because this is what Jesus was dead serious about. It's life and death. It's about making people strong. It's about making them healthy. His metric of success was never how much tithe a church brings in at the end of the year. That wasn't Jesus' metric of success. His metric was how many people were being faithful and generous in returning his 10% and a free will offering. Where your treasure is, Jesus said, there your heart will be what? Also. He was interested in the heart metric. Are you following? And he's the only one that can tell the content of the heart. How many people have that heart to give all that they have over to the God of heaven? Rather than keeping it and stacking it up for ourselves, then inflation comes and take it away. But all this time, padding up all this, this money for the future, $10 a gas. His metric was not how many people attend church on a monthly basis. It was never about how many views, how many clicks, how many follows. Ah, it was never about any of that. His metric was how many people are exercising their spiritual giftedness and are serving faithfully in the church. Amen. That was his metric. Success to, to Jesus is how many people who claim his name are feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, 
providing shelter for the homeless, taking care of the orphans and the widows and the widowers, visiting those in prison. That was his metric. And if we're not doing any of that, are we truly disciples? Or are we just blending in with what's called Christianity today? I am not interested in being a Christian in this society. I am interested in being a disciple. Jesus did not count church membership. No, 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 no. Oh, we have a thousand members. No, 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 on the books. Uh, that, that, that meant nothing to Jesus. Nothing at all. Uh, how many members Jesus considered as important How many members have the church working through them? Jesus was concerned about the type of church membership. Not the amount. Are you following? It was a type that you, it was a type of branches he was interested in. Are they people who pray for their enemies? Are you following? Are they people who exercise the fruit of the spirit? Where they possess the love that they need to exercise to those who are unlovable, so to speak. Whether they express joy, even though they're in the midst of troubles and trials, they're still joyful, they're filled with peace, they're filled with gentleness, long-suffering, goodness. Are these people who are exercising faith? And then, not only that, are these people who are meek? Follow me. Are these people who call me by my name, are these the kind of people that exercise self-control? That's a fruit of the Spirit. Jesus is, this is what, this is what health, health looked like to Jesus. People who are self-controlled, who can stop eating when it's time to stop. I'm talking about myself, y'all. Y'all can't I'm preaching to myself right there. But, but, but are you with me, y'all? Yeah, he, he's talking about health. I mean, I mean, he's talking about people who, who, who are suffering grief. But even though they're going, going through the grief, they can look to the great comforter. Are you following me? And they can still continue their daily lives serving Jesus. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about people who once were burdened by some kind of addictions. But by his power, that's in their past. Hallelujah. People who are thriving like branches that bear fruits. That's what he's after. That's what he's put all, he's putting all of his energies, his energy into this. Jesus focuses on making disciples. People who are totally healthy, body, mind, and spirit. And he desires to give them his very best. Is what? So the question is today, are we Christians or are we disciples? You see, a Christian comes to church once a week. When they come, they come to receive or to be filled. They are not involved in any aspect of the church. And they consider everyone else to be hypocrites. How do you mesh that together? Wow. 
but disciples come to church to say hallelujah. Amen? Praise the Lord. Here I am. Send me, Lord. Send me. Disciples say, hey, listen, I, 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 I lift my heads to the hills from whence cometh my what? My help. My help cometh from who? The Lord, who is the maker of heaven and I have need Jesus, that's why I come to you. But I come not only to receive, here I am, send me. Disciples are married to Jesus. They're what? They, they, they view their commitment to Jesus as a strong commitment. Till death do us part. That's the, that's the bond that, that, that the disciples have with their Lord. But when it comes to Christians of this generation, they desire friends with benefits. They want all the blessings of forgiveness from God. They want the hope of eternity. You know. They want the Holy Spirit power in their life. But you know what? They don't want to marry Jesus. Because they have some stuff that they want to continue. They have a lifestyle that they want to continue. All right? So they want the friends with Jesus. They get benefits. Disciples are used by Christ. Christians are users of Christ. Disciples are protestants who lift up Jesus. Are you, are you hear what I'm saying? Disciples are protestants who lift up Jesus, and at the same time they lift up Jesus, they preach against the modern-day Babylonian system. Christians, however, Christians today, they are evangelicals. Because they lift up and tear down politicians while remaining silent regarding the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet in the book of Revelation. They say nothing about that, but they have much to say about politics. Oh, I don't want to be an evangelical. I want to be a disciple. Jesus focuses on disciples. And I want to share with you how he does it. He focuses on disciples. I used to teach high school for years. One of the things I learned while I was teaching math, I, I, I learned how valuable math was to our education system. I mean, I used to love math. I not only loved it, I used to love teaching it. Over the years of teaching and being in the high school situation, going through all the troubles and trials with the, with the kids, working with them. I often said to my, say to myself, if I was ever the superintendent of a school district or the president of the United States of America, I would pay teachers just as how they pay doctors. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. That's what I would do. Yeah, I'll pay them just the same. In fact, in fact, how did the doctors get to be doctors? Oh, yeah. Teachers. Yeah. And I used, to, I used to work so hard. And sometimes I, I look at my paycheck and I'm like, oh, if they ever knew what I just did with this kid. <laughs> they had any clue, right? And so I used to say, man, if I was a, a superintendent, I'll 
pay them so much money. I give them the best healthcare system, including dentistry. Are you hearing? Because many teachers don't have a dental plan, can't afford it. But I, I set them up so well. I give them all the resources they need because when they go before those little kiddos, they're going to end up giving them their best. Are you with me? We got it all twisted up. All twisted up in this country and in the world. And and that's in my heart. I I, want to say this. Uh, I'm told uh, 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 when it comes to, and we'll, we'll wrap up here with this thought. When Jesus considers the branches. He gives the branches his best. Do you know who is Jesus? That's the creator of heaven and earth. That's majesty. Kings of kings and what? Can you imagine him giving us his best? It's amazing. It's amazing. The problem is we think what the world is giving. That's best for us. And so we grab onto it and we try to hold on to the world. Why Jesus is saying, if you ever just let go of it. Ah. Reminds me of a story. And I'm told that in parts of the world, they catch monkeys by drilling a hole in a coconut. And they put in, placing um, uh, peanuts through the hole. And they will take the coconut and they'll tie it to a tree. And the monkeys, they'll come. All right. And they'll jump onto the coconut, and guess what they'll do? They make the hole just enough, uh, just enough the diameter for their hand span, so they can put their hands in the coconut easily. All right, but when they grab onto as many peanuts as they can, guess what? They form a fist. All right, and then when they try to pluck that. Pull that fist through that little hole. Guess what happened? But the monkey doesn't want to let go of none of it. He wants all of the peanuts that that he has in his hands. And so he grabs and he fights and he fights and he fights. He creates a ruckus noise. And then there's, of course, the people hear the noise. They come. And even when they come, he's still fighting, holding on to the peanuts. And they capture the monkey. Ah, what is Jesus teaching us? He's saying, listen, what the world is providing for you is no taste of what I have for you. I have the, listen, Jesus is saying, I have the best insurance plan ever. State Farm can't touch this. Are you with me? No, no, no. State Farm can, I I, I, I like that guy, that commercial with State Farm. What he said? Um, um, Are you in good hands? Thank you. Yeah, he said, are you in good hands? I am in good hands. Not in state farm hands. I'm in the Lord's hand. Best insurance policy you can ever find in this universe. Because one day if we should die before Jesus comes back, guess what? He will raise us back to what? To eternity. What an insurance plan. Can't get it any better. I mean the package that salary, don't worry about salary. He said you'll have all that you need. Are you following? Uh, not that you want now. Hey, listen, give me what I need, Jesus. I'll be quite content with that. He'll supply our, our needs according to his riches 
glory. I mean, you think about it, what Jesus is offering. He's just wanting people to just release. Just release this world. And give your heart over to me. And I will take care of you like my father takes care of branches. Let's go back to the text. And let's wrap up with some thoughts here. Jesus is saying in verse 3, You are what? Already clean because of the word which I have. I have the best cleansing plan, he said, for the branches, right? Listen, listen, if you accept me, first, first John chapter 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and what? Just to forgive us of all of our sins and to what? Cleanse us from all. Anybody want to be forgiven by God? Anybody want to be cleansed by God? He provides that to the branches. So all disciples don't live in the fear of God and the fear of death. All disciples who are branches know for sure that God has reconciled humanity to himself. Are you with me, folk? And we don't fear God in the, in the sense of being afraid of God. But we know that God has blessed us with cleansing power and he has blessed us with his forgiveness. He goes on, look at verse 7. So he cleanses, he, clean, he cleanses the branches. Look at verse 7. If you abide in me, my words abide with you, right? You will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. What a promise. You, Jesus is saying, if you are a disciple, you can come to me in sheer faith and you can ask of me whatever is in your heart and how provided for you. What a God. He cleanses. He provides. You can't get it any better than that. So when a man or a woman says, or they, they say that there's no God, the Bible says they're fool. How can you walk away from such blessings, such goodness? My, 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 friends. Let, let's, go, let's continue. Look at verse 11. These things I've spoken to you that my what? Joy may remain in you and that your joy may be what? I provide you with joy in this world. Yes, yes, you might, you might come across discouraging situations. Yes, even as a young person, you might feel like, hey, listen, where's my place in this world? I, I, where's my purpose in this world? Jesus is saying, listen, there's no need to live depressed in this life if you are a branch. I have Holy Ghost purpose in, for you right now if you just hold on to it, embrace it, and keep believing in me. I can fill you with joy that this world cannot understand. Are you with me? You see, Jesus is saying, listen, I, I'm about making my disciples satisfied. I know how to satisfy my disciples. All right. Last one here. No, no, no. Almost... But, but I, in verse 16, look at verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and what? I have what? Chosen you. And there's other versions that says, I have ordained you. Can you imagine that? I've appointed you. 
In other words, Jesus has given every disciple a divine purpose. The problem is we're living with worldly purposes. We think that going to school, which is good, gaining an education, setting up our life, that's the purpose of life. That's not biblical. Because so soon as you set up your life, then things come crashing down. No. You live life on godly purpose. Is this where God wants me to be? Is this what God wants me to do? That's where we need to be. And God is saying, listen, I, 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 I've ordained you to take on a specific task. Verse 19, if you were of this world, Jesus said, the world would have loved his own. But because you are not of this world, but I have what? Chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hateth, hateth you. Remember the word that I said to you? The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also what? Does the world hate us? If the world don't hate us, that means we're doing the same thing they're doing. We're, we're being just like them. We're not impacting the culture. We're embracing the culture. Jesus saying, listen, I am not about culture. I'm about being a disciple. That's what I'm about. I want to grow you to be the best you you could ever be. And then he ends, I love how he ends. He ends the, 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 the verse here. He says, but when the comforter comes, whom I will what? Send unto you from the Father. Jesus is saying, I have a power that I will give to every disciple of mine that will come, if you accept this power, he will come from the outside and come on the inside. And that power will help you to treat your spouse with love. To treat your, your children with patience. To treat your co-worker with kindness. Are you following me? I have a power. You can't do it in and of yourself. But if you're connected to me, I will give you a special power called the Holy Ghost power. That will animate you. And that will change you from the inside. So you reflect me and not the world. But as long as you keep holding on to the world, I can't help. Wonder if someone is here today who's willing to give Jesus a try. As I look into the text, I see where Jesus is saying. Go to verse 7. Go to verse 7. Jesus is telling us, some things here in chapter 15, John 15, verse 7. If you abide in me, and my what? My words abide in you. Over the next several weeks, I'll be working with the church in each aspect of what it is to be a true disciple of Jesus. All I'm doing right now is just an overview of John 15. We're going to take each part of this step by step step by step. And my hope is that the Spirit of God 
will begin to change lives right here at this church, including mine. I'll, I'll leave you with these, these, these three things here. Pardon me. Let me. The first thing is, Jesus wants us to worship hard. What did I say? As a branch, if you're a disciple, worship hard. What do I mean by that? Well, he said in verse 7, if you abide, with, abide in me and my word abide in you, you will ask that you desire and it shall be what? Two things I see here. First, if you abide in me, it means, if you abide in me, it says, um, and my word, meaning a daily time with Jesus in the word. Are you following? How do we remain healthy branches? Spend time with God's word. And not only that, he said, ask of me to spend time in prayer. This is, it seems elementary, but it's the stuff that we don't do because we hang on to the doorknob, say a little prayer while we're going out to the world. And we say, hey, listen, that's our devotional time. But God is saying, no, no, no. No, you have to abide in me. You got to spend the time so I can prepare you like how I prepared the disciples. I spent time with them. Well, if you don't have the time, if you think that your work is more important than the work that I want to do in your life, well, listen, you can have the world. You end up being a dead branch. But that's not what I want. It's priority. Spend time with Jesus every day. Spend time in prayer with him. That's Bible. That's how you worship hard. Not only that, I love what one man said. He said, uh, this is a beautiful statement. He said, Christ is claiming to satisfy the greatest need in the human heart. That's what he's after. Yet we are strangely reluctant to come directly to him. We will attend ceremonies, observe sacraments, follow men in congregated meetings. We frequent camps and conventions. We will listen to priests and preachers. Anything it seems but to come personally and alone in the presence of Christ. But then, then he closed it out by saying this. But he is absolutely intolerant. Meaning, he's not going to accept any and anything. He's not going to accept and bend to our wills and our whims. He said, he will quench our spirit, spiritual thirst personally and not by proxy. Are, is, are you getting it? He's right on target. Listen, he will quench our spiritual thirst not by proxy. Meaning, listen, you know, sometimes you, you, back then when we used to have board meetings, it used to be only what? Only per, in person. But because of COVID now, it's open, right? People can join board meeting from Zoom. That's called proxy. Are you following? If we choose not to come to Jesus personally and spend time with him and then believe that he's still going to bless us anyway, he's saying he's intolerant. And that's Bible. There's only one way Jesus grows branches, and that's abiding. If you don't have the time, well, continue doing what you're doing. 
it's better off you don't claim the name of Jesus. Are you following? Because the world will see a mixed signal. They'll see someone who is sitting on the fence. And then that is the worst message we could send to a dying world. But listen, we worship hard, but we should love hard. Number two, first thing, worship hard, spend time with Jesus, Bible study, prayer, but then we should do what? Love hard. Do you know what it means to love hard? Look at verse 12. Verse 12. Verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have what? Greater love as no one than this, than to lay down his own life for his what? For his, and that's what Jesus did. That's why the cross is so important. God giving his life to sinful human beings so they might live forever while he chose the grave forever. It's the greatest exchange we see on the cross. God giving his life to sinful human beings and receiving their penalty. It's amazing. I love what Luke says. Luke says, and he answered, answering said, Jesus, thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Luke 10 verse 27. With all thy what? Heart. Jesus is saying, the way you love me, you got to love hard. Love hard. But not only love me hard. And with thy soul and with all thy what? Strength. And with all thy mind, listen, and thy neighbor as thy what? You know there's three, three th loving going on here. Love for God, and we should love each other, correct? And that's the family I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of the Garland family who loves hard. That even though you might see me do something that, that was a mistake, you can come to me. And you can work, work it with me and forgive me. Amen? Amen. And, and, and we can together cover our sins and help people to grow. That's the kind of family I want to be a part of. That's, the, that's how I want to grow with the Garland Church family. I want to grow with a family that will never ever tear down another person. Are you following me? But will build up people. And if we practice that here in this church, the world will see it. Our co-workers will see it. Our husbands will see it. Our wives will see it. Our children will see it. But not only that, not only love God, not only love our neighbors, but love ourselves. That's how God prepare branches. We got to take care of ourselves, y'all. I hope you're not part of this gospel where Jesus only gives forgiveness. That's not salvation. Jesus is involved in sanctification as well, which is a part of salvation. He is involved in getting rid of the status quo and becoming strong physically, mentally, emotionally. That's not, that's not to say God is interested in our health. That's not something that God put on the side once we become Christians and we can do whatever we want. We can 
stay up all night and don't sleep, get the sleep that we need when sleep is so vital to the restoration of the cells in our body and our brain? No, no, no. God, God is saying, listen, listen, you can't forget exercise. COVID is gone. Now. Hallelujah. COVID is gone. So we can go outside, right? No more excuses. Exercise is important. Of course, nutrition is very important. We got to take care of our bodies, our minds, so we can take care of others. Healthy branches, spiritually, physically, mentally. And then finally, not only love hard, not only loving ourselves, our neighbors, and God, but I end up with this, work hard. What? Work hard. Look at the text. The text is there. Verse 27. Verse 27. You also, the last verse in chapter 15. And you also will what? Bear what? And you also will bear witness. In other words, God is saying, you can't be a disciple without reproducing. Remember the branches create other branches? You, you, you can't be a disciple and say, listen, the... Uh, uh, reproduction is only for the pastor. We're, we're, Jesus, listen, one thing I like about the Seventh-day Adventist church, you're going to know this about me. I will never entrust my faith in any man. You learn this. You know where I put all my faith? In the word of God. It's a Catholic-based system. When we turn over all the blessings of ministry over to a human being to pray for us, to interpret the scripture for us, to do ministry for us, that's not Bible. That's not being a disciple. We are all disciples, myself included. And if ministry was given to the disciples, well, ministry is given to every single one of us. So many people, they don't want to get involved in God's work because they say the pastor is supposed to do it. Yes, I'm paid, but you know what? The only reason why I'm a full-time pastor today is because God called me to it. I used to, I used to do the very same thing, elder, being an electrical engineer, paying my own way by the help of God, so to speak. Are you with me? I was like a Paul. Lord blessed me with an engineering job. That job would help me to take care of my family and help me to perform ministry on his behalf and with his power. Are you following me? So listen, not because I'm paid, it means that you should surrender your God-given spiritual gifts. Are you with me? To the pastor to do it for you? I ain't lifting your burden. I got my own ministry to do, and I'm accountable to God. And I'm going to sit right there. You take care of yours. And if the church does that, then what you'll find, here's what you'll find. When everybody gets involved, when people join the community service team, all right, all right, you follow me? When people join the mu musical team, are you following me, folks? 
when people join the health team, the treasury team, the communication team, what everybody can find something to do in God's church. So when you know you can do something and God gave you the breath in your body and you choose not to, you will become a dead branch. And so when, when, the, when the role is called up yonder, the, the, most, the saddest words will be pronounced on many people. I knew you not. It's about time God's people wise up. Just push away the word and the wisdom of this world. Look at what the Bible says and follow it because you will be accountable to God one day. all witnesses. Worship hard. Love hard. Work hard. You know, I always like to close with a story. It was years ago, my wife and I, my son, Joshua, Joseph wasn't born then, but I, I, I really love traveling. I and especially going to the Holy Land and, and visiting Europe and, and just tracing the Reformation path. I love doing that stuff. <laughs> and one summer we went to Europe. And believe it or not, we, we didn't even know what we were doing. We were landing in England and then spent some time there touring all the different sites. And, and then we took a flight over to Scotland. And we, I wanted to visit the place where um, David Livingston was born. Because back in, back in school, I was always fascinated by David Livingston. And so we went to a city called Blantyre in Scotland. And went and we visited his home where he was born. And in that home, they turned it into a museum. And, and we were able to trace his life and see how this man of God devoted his life to the cause of God. The story is told that one day David Livingston and his brother were sitting down one day and they asked themselves the question, what would you like to be when you grow up? The brother said, his name is John, he said, when I grew up, I would like to be a doctor. And being a doctor, I want to become rich and I want to be famous for what I do. David Livingston said, you know, when I grew up, I would also like to be a doctor. But I would like to use the God-given gifts of medicine to, to, to open up the hearts of people. And by them experiencing the healing, maybe the physical healing, maybe that will open up this need for spiritual healing. So you know what? When I grow up, when I grow up, I would like to be a missionary doctor. So said, so done. Um, uh, David Livingston went to Africa. And there he served in so many different places throughout Africa. And he did come to a, a, a faithful end. He died while he was there serving the people in Africa. And there in, there in uh, Zambia, um, uh, he, uh, when, he, when he died, uh, the English 
the government here there in England requested that they send this body home. But the people who experienced David Livingston there back in, in Zambia, they, they refused. They refused to send the body home. But they kept pressing and pressing until finally the people gave in. You know what they said? They said, okay, we'll give you his body, but we're going to keep his heart. They took his heart out of his body and planted it inside a tree. And that tree is a famous tree <laughs> where they laid him to rest. You can take his body, but we will keep his heart. You know, brother number two, John Livingston, he actually did become a doctor. But guess what? When you go to the encyclopedia to learn about David Livingston's brother, his name is John. This is what you will see underneath his name. All right? This is the brother of David Livingston. <laughs> he became famous by proxy. Right? But what is God saying? God is saying to all of us today that I'm interested in making you the best you can be in this life. And I'm willing to put my money behind it. I'm willing to put my spiritual, all the spiritual power needed behind you. I'm willing to bring all the hosts of heaven, angels if necessary, to place within your grasp to minister to you. I want to make you the best disciple on planet earth. Because if that happens in your life, your family would be better off for it. Your community would be better off for it. Your, your, your neighborhood, your, your workplace, they will be able to see Jesus in you and my kingdom will explode. Is there anybody here who would like to say, Lord Jesus, after hearing your words today, I choose to be a disciple. I choose to be a branch connected to you. Anybody? If you stand to your feet, if that's your desire. Oh, praise God. The people are standing. I know you're watching online, and I'm hoping, too, as you look at the people here making decisions and standing in the sight of God, saying that they want to be a disciple, and they're not into the playing games. They want to be a true branch connected to the true vine. You too can make a decision. Father, thank you. You are truly a good God. You've seen the responses, Father. People are declaring, including myself, that we want to be branches connected to the vine the true vine. We know as we stand to our feet, we know it's a serious decision. It's a serious commitment. We know going forward that we're going to need you more than ever. We're going to need all the resources of heaven. You have promised it to us. We're simply saying, Father, here am I. Send me. 
Here am I. Use me. Here am I. Grow me. Here am I. Make me into someone that resembles you. Thank you for your word today. Forgive us, Father, of all of our sins. Forgive us of our past. Help us to make our future the best and brightest it can be with you by our side. In Jesus' precious name, let the church of the living God say, Amen. Amen.